Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Bug Eye's Rock Pop Rambles. I'm Angela from the band Bug Eye. And I'm Paula from the band Bug Eye for the second week running. Do, 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 do. We killed Carrie. She's buried in the pat in the patio under the patio. Nice Brookside reference yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. No, we didn't kill Kerry at all. Kerry will return. I think we should write a song called Kill Kerry. It could be like the South Park thing. Oh, no. Oh, my God, I killed Kerry. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if she actually listens to these episodes. Do you know what? Don't mention this to her and see if she brings it up. (laughs) Or do you think it would just make her feel really sad? No. Oh, we wouldn't kill Kerry. No, we wouldn't. Keza, we love you. Yeah, we need a drummer in the band. Finding new drummer is really hard. Um, as we've discovered, we can't write drum beats ourselves, or drum patterns rather, like digitally. Although, since you mentioned the 808 on the last episode, I am totally down for trying the 808. Sorry, I'm... Kerry, that's not about getting rid of you. I just want to play with one. I want one so badly. Yeah, good. I looked, I looked. I found one on eBay, actually. Really? $3,500. But you know what? Because I did a comparison for that episode, and it's about the same price it's sold for when it's re- like released in terms of inflation and things like oh, that. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh... That's that's interesting. Well, that, could, that could be the ninth fact about yeah. the eight oh eight. But I don't I don't think that you know I've got I've got my eye on on some nice guitars out there at the moment. And I, you know when you just think I play guitar in a band, what's mm-hmm. more important, guitar or drum machine? And will the but, drum machine uh, just be like one of the many pedals that you buy, never use, and resell at a and loss? Then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> probably, probably. So this is Bugger's Rock Pop Rambles. It's a weekly podcast show. Didn't you know? This is episode I don't know what. Um, but yeah, so essentially we normally come armed each week with a story from rock, pop, or any genre of music really. Normally a tale about a legend or something that's happened historically in music. Uh, that we think is fascinating and we try to find facts about it um, to enlighten you, dear audience. So we do the reading so you don't have to. Uh, We also bring along a new music discovery or love that Mm -hmm. we've found in recent times and, and, uh, yeah, give give them a spin. So with that, with new music, this week I'm going to play a track by Chorus Girl called In Dreams. And what are you going to play, Paula? I'm playing a new single that was released yesterday, so probably about a week ago by the time this goes up, by a London-based band called Fight Milk. I think we've played them on the show before. We played the last single, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll talk a little bit about why I love this single yeah. after we've played it. And and they've got a common connection, these two bands, and connected with us. It's all it's all like a kind of family tree of music, but we'll talk about that later as well. Did you as see well. my brain start ticking then? Yeah. What's the connection? Paula looked really confused. She's like, what do you mean? And yeah. I, we yeah. didn't discuss we were going to talk about this. <laughs> I just, I'm throwing it out there, throwing it out there. Uh, but for those people that are patrons, and you can go to patreon.com slash bugeye and come and join us for as little as one pound or I think it's one dollar, whichever currency it's set to. And we have some special content on there. And this week there'll be a video of me and Paula discussing the album Parallel Lines by Blondie, which has a relevancy to this, um, which is totally relevant to this episode, actually. So we kind of bring some more facts into that and talk about the cover itself, which is quite iconic. So if you want to head over there and join as a member, there's lots of goodies on there that you won't get anywhere else. 
uh, they're exclusive from this show and exclusive merchandise and all of that jazz. So any other housekeeping do we have to mention, Paula? No, I don't think so. Don't think so. No. Okay. We do have... Oh, the corrections. Corrections. What corrections do you have? I don't have any corrections, but we do have a corrections line. We do. Oh, yes, yes. So if, if you hear us making mistakes... <laughs> Which, let's be real, if you listen carefully and read around the subjects a little bit, I'm fairly certain you will, at least with my research. Oh, also with the, the way that I pronounce... Actually, what I think people should do is I'd love to have... Because I always pronounce names quite incorrectly. badly, <laughs> very incorrectly. So please just, you know, do a voice recording and email it to us at rockpoprambles at gmail.com or for your amusement tweet us <laughs> tweet the corrections <laughs> bug eye band uh, uh, yeah on twitter at bug eye band or on facebook as bug eye music so on with the show yep. housekeeping out the way onwards and upwards right so paula what are we talking about this week this week we are talking about songs that have been banned yeah banned and censorship around music in general yeah exactly so um to kick off I mean, we were going to do, originally, it was like going to be like one of those cheesy documentaries, like a kind of top 10 countdown of band songs. But then we didn't do that. We just came armed with, with some things that we thought were quite interesting, actually. So I suppose maybe we should talk about, let's start off with, I'm going to talk about one of my favourite mm-hmm. stories of a band song, um, mainly because I think it is totally relevant to today day and this sort of uprising that we're seeing in music and and people wanting to kind of shout out and and stuff like this it's a very sort of political time not just in the uk but across across the globe with black lives matter um poverty unemployment on the uprise everything that's kind of happening around the pandemic so yeah i want to talk about god save the queen by the sex pistols classic Absolute classic, an obvious one, yep. of course. But I'm not sure if people really know the details around this song um, and that mm-hmm. it was actually banned or why it was banned and what they did around around the time as, as lots of PR stunts. But anyway, details of this story, I have to say, um, largely come from a website called You Discover Music and, of course, our beloved Wikipedia mm-hmm. that would be totally lost without... There right? would be so, no podcast without Wikipedia. No, exactly. So, God Save the Queen by the Sex Pistols. It's kind of delicious slice of rebellious rock and roll. Rebellious? Rebellious, even. Correction one. Yeah, exactly. Correction one. How many, you, could do, you could do a counter of <laughs> how many things I say wrong in this and also need to slow down when I speak. I don't think it's possible to fully appreciate just how controversial this song was at the time. Uh, the powers that be, they certainly thought it was, and they, they thought it was going to create, un- create, mistake number two, create unspeakable damage to British society. And that one must just quite simply silence the lads. Really? Um, what was yeah. that a quote from? <laughs> no, that wasn't. That was me making it up. But I can, I can just imagine that's... Um, the attitude. What what one was discussing in the board meeting that uh, that decided this, but you know there there was a lot of political unrest at the time. I'm not going to go into the punk movement mm-hmm. and all of that jazz. That's an episode on its own. But 1977 certainly seems to be quite an important year 
in music history, actually. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned in the last episode, Donna Summer's I Feel Love landed in May of that year and it was a pioneering synth triumph. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a first for its time. Then also Star Wars showed the world what a future rebel uprising might look like and gave birth to a new wave of sci-fi fans and special effects practices that would, would basically inspire Hollywood and, you know, spawn a whole host of, of sci-fi films and just different ways of doing things from there on. Then, you know, now enter the Sex Pistols and the punk movement um, and the Sex Pistols who sort of found themselves at the centre of this sort of moral panic about, you know, what do we do with this this foul-mouthed band, basically? Well, there were lots of conversations going on about this and just the punk movement in general. And then also to note that in 1977, it was the Queen's Silver Jubilee. Yeah. It was totally on the horizon. And so the band's manager, Malcolm McLaren, kind of rubbed his hands together and thought, this is a beautiful moment to totally take advantage of what's Mm -hmm. going on right now um, and get this song out. So what did he do? What do you think he did? Released it. Well, yes, of course he did do that. (laughs) Thank you, Paula, for that insight. Stating the absolute obvious thing. We didn't know that that happened. It was the the buried track that was only discovered later and put out. No, it wasn't. It was, of course, course it was released. But he arranged, Malcolm McLaren arranged for the band, the band, mistake number three, um, I'm counting for you, Paul. You're not quick off the market. <laughs> to sign their new record deal with A&M Records outside the Queen's Digs, a.k.a. Buckingham Palace. I didn't know that, yeah. but that is fabulous. <laughs> um, apparently the party got way out of hand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was quite political that the label decided to wash their hands of the band only four days after being signed and they destroyed um, the singles that they'd had pressed. Do you not think that's just like... That's a genuine shame. Well, it's like burning books. It's like you don't do it. Like, burn them. So, that, uh, why? What a waste. Anyway, um, so enter on a big white horse, future Sir Richard Branson, mm-hmm. um, who, of course, had started Virgin Records at the time. And he thought that this was a fantastic stunt yeah. in the making. This record needed to happen. So he signed the band and rushed the release out to coincide with the Queen's Jubilee, um, the day of the Jubilee, Mm. essentially. Needless to say, the BBC banned the record immediately. You know, you could just imagine the the kind of boardroom meetings about this to sort of teach all these scruffy-mouthed working-class people a lesson that, you know, pipe down. Mm -hmm. Um, But it totally backfired. they sold 200,000 copies in the first week of release, even though it was banned on radio, so it didn't get any radio airplay at all. And, okay, it didn't make the number one spot, mm-hmm. but that didn't stop further stunts or the band's, you know, notoriety building around that. So the, the, Malcolm McLaren was a bit miffed about not hitting the number one spot, though, and he was completely pissed off at the BBC banning... Um, this record, you know, freedom of speech and and all of that. So he hired a boat and the band played a gig on that boat, sailing down the River Thames, particularly going slowly past the Houses of Parliament. And this obviously sent the tabloids into complete meltdown and propelled the sex state number four, or is that number five? The Sex Pistols into, you know, 
the history books of music, the future history books of music, and totally at the top of popularity um, in modern society and mainstream culture. So really, that song being banned was probably the making of the Sex oh, Pistols. But also, and I, I, I'm going to talk about this on another show, this started um, the idea that not having radio airplay, and it was a good thing to have a song banned because it would make everyone want the record. Yeah. Now, not so much the case, but this certainly was a big thing that happened mm-hmm. um in the 90s, it was more like, you know, a badge of honour. If your song got banned, it secured your number one slot. But we'll talk about that another time. So that was the Sex Pistols, God Save the Queen. You know, um, was it was it treasonous, I suppose? Was it, uh, you know? Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so either. I think it's hilarious that they, they banned it. I think the stunts they pulled off around it are amazing as well. Well, Malcolm McCarran also was, and Vivian Westwood, Let's not forget with Vivian West State number six. Vivian, I'm not even drinking today. This is crazy. I'm making so many mistakes. Anyway, so yeah, so the pair they had a shop in West London called Sex, where all the kind yeah, of punk Kings kids Road. hung out, um, including you know so many names that suddenly so many names that I can't even think of. Um, Susie the Banshees. Yeah. Also, um, what's her face from the Pretenders? Chrissy Hines. Chrissy Hines. And you would think I'd remember her name, seeing I've just started her uh, her memoir. So um, yeah, that's that's how good I am at remembering things. But yeah, so they were very important, and Malcolm McLaren was was one of the greats of marketing and mm-hmm. PR stunts. And you know, the band um, obviously believed they would have been as big even without Malcolm McLaren. Number seven, number six, mistake. Um, but I, I think you've still got to hand it to him that yeah. he he totally knew how to take advantage of an opportunity, be daring and and really propel a band into the fore with these stunts. But um anyway, that was that was uh the Sex Pistols. So have you got something you wanna I have. Um I've looked at other things that have been banned by the BBC actually, because they seem to be quite at the forefront of this. And we've actually got a bit of a BBC this is you could almost call this the BBC bands. This this um this Maybe episode. we will. Maybe we will call it that. Um yeah, because that they're they're a common theme throughout this, this today's episode. So yeah. yeah, sorry, I rudely interrupted. No, 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 you're absolutely fine. And so I mean, I think um the Sex Pistols is one that's quite well known, but what I didn't know was that Leader of the Pack by the Shangri-Las was banned when it was first Why? released. Well, I mean, it's a bit of a classic, isn't it? The kind of big sort of doo-wop sound that it's got. Um, It was banned in 1964 when it was released. It was released at a time when, like, Brando, James Dean, they were the sort of big poster boys for a generation. Boys wanted to be them, girls wanted to be with them. And the BBC thought that this song was sort of immortalising that kind of gang culture, biker culture kind of thing, which for me, considering that the... Doesn't the guy die at the end? Yeah, he does. I think it's quite a bit of a strange one for them There's to ban. Bit, look out, look out, look out! And the crash sound and, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, it doesn't end too well for him, does it? So I don't no. think that was kind of, you know, glamorising it. Um, it didn't really do anything to dent their sales. It char- Like, this song charted three times, the last time in 1972, at which point the BBC had, like, seen sense and decided to lift their ban from it. Um, there's also kind of, like, a lot of conversations I guess around that time about mods and rockers and the violence that was going on in Brighton amongst other places 
And it's also been suggested that that's another reason why they didn't want to play this song, which I think is quite strange and a little bit out of touch on their part. They think they could influence youth culture to that kind of degree by banning a song. But then I suppose you have to think about the BBC back then is Mm -hmm. completely different. Although we say completely different, they're still they're still censoring things Mm -hmm. today um, on radio. But, you know, there's a massive change from from the, the kind of family entertainment shows into the the birth of the teenager mm-hmm. and and you know still having a certain generation of men controlling these things and still you know b- pushing back against the way that music reflects culture and mm-hmm. and society and and all of these things and I hadn't really thought about the gang culture and how leader of the pack was actually really relevant to the things that were going on at that time so that's that's really cool I mean, it was a super successful song. It went on to featuring like Broadway musicals. I didn't know this, but it was in Goodfellas as well. So maybe that kind of idea that it's around gang culture and things isn't so completely out the wall. I just think the BBC at the time didn't really know what to do with the kind of sort of teenager that was kind of coming to the fore. Yeah, no, no, no. I can I can agree, agree with that. Um, so Shangri-La's such amazing Lauren Laverne plays plays them quite a lot on six six music well, we are BBC bashing as well here <laughs> I know well no I, I still think I think the BBC are great in 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 a number of ways but you know even they don't step away from the fact they've banned absolute amazing songs mm-hmm. and how weird it was some of the article information that I got Article information. Some of the information I got from articles was actually from the BBC website themselves. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think we're saying anything controversial here about the BBC. They know that they've been idiots in the past, but I suppose we're not really. Well, we are looking at the context of the time, mm-hmm. and I, I suppose today's show is also a debate about is censorship, to Valid. some degree, a good thing or a bad thing. So. I mean, but I've also found out some surprising things about the BBC, to be honest, because they initially banned um, Lola by the Kinks when it first came out. And I always had that the idea that, you know, it came out in like, was it 1970 or the late 60s? Was it late? I, I want to say late 60s. Late 60s, early 70s we'll go with. Yeah, um, I and I always had the idea that it was due to kind of stuffiness and the fact that the lyrics were talking about um, a transgender individual. But actually doing this research, I found out that that wasn't the case at all. Um, they had no problem with the content or the themes within the song. What they had an issue with was initially the cherry cola line was Coca-Cola. And they, as an impartial broadcaster, I guess, um, they didn't want to have any brand references playing out across their TV channels or radio. So the Kinks heard about this. They were on tour in America and Ray Davis flew back to London to re-record that those two words which was like a 6,000-mile round trip from New York to London, costing, in 1970, around like $550, which is about three and a half grand today. So, But on the on the plus side for that, they got a huge amount of radio play out of it, and it sort of really revived their career at a time where they needed a big hit. So I guess, all told, that investment was probably worth it. On the site Some Facts, it does... I love the way it says, the BBC were scandalised. Because they they also actually didn't like the subject matter. And I believe that um, Coca-Cola were also not best pleased with having their brand name used in 
in a song. You would think that they would, and maybe mm-hmm. I have got that fact wrong because I'm just quickly looking at um, at a site here that yeah, but it's it's totally totally bizarre. You you would think that free marketing would be great, but then yeah, the BBC have always taken a bit of a stand about about that, I suppose. I know, but it, I mean, it kind of was released around a time when they were like sort of big sensational headlines about it. I mean, one that I found was like sex change record kink speaks i mean like <laughs> i mean it's a pop song like I, I think having those kind of big sort of tabloid headlines over a pop song are a little bit but i guess we're looking at it from a very different perspective like we're in the year 2020 now not in the 1970s this was mm-hmm. quick maths 50 years ago when, when society was different yeah that doesn't that doesn't make it right no nope. of course um but yeah different different times and thankfully we don't live in those times now although we still have a shit storm of racism and homophobic crap going on that uh yeah yeah right well should we play some new music yes um can i go first this week yes you can paula seeing you are so politely so this week i have brought to the table a song called if you had a sister by a band called fight milk
So that was Fight Milk with If You Had a Sister. Um, genuinely loving that track. I think it's a little bit maybe stripped back, a little bit more bruisey than other other tracks I've heard by them. What are your thoughts? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I didn't get the kind of broody. Bro- broody? Do they want children? No. Brooding. Brooding. Sorry. Brooding. I'm d- sorry. Brooding or broody? Anyway, digress. Back to Fight Milk. <laughs> it's a bit, bit like one thing. Yeah, no. Uh, I suppose I, 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 it's kind of got this sort of kickbacks chill mm. vibe mm. to it i really like it i've got sisters and i would fight them no i wouldn't really well, i did fight them when i was little well i didn't i was always the one in the middle so i was the youngest they always used to the peacemaker have... i was the peacemaker they used to have mental fights the three of us shared a bedroom so i had the bottom bunk rachel had the top bunk and anne had a cabin bed and i yeah just the arguments those two had were just uh a podcast series and a book in that, I think. Really. But anyway, that, that's Fight Milk. Uh, links will be below this. Do go and check it out if you have not done so already. They're a fantastic band. And I'd just like to say that the connection with us is they are on the same label as us now. We're label buddies. Label buddies. Uh, well, they were there before us, so I shouldn't say now. But uh, yeah, Reckless Yes, fantastic label. Shout out. Chorus Girl, who I'm going to be playing later, also on Reckless Yes. A fab label. Both those bands played at my music festival, our music festival, Crow Crow Land. Oh, I think we have to give more credit to you for that than anyone else. <laughs> and Julia as well, to oh, be I, fair. I mean, Let's yeah, not take that it's away. Part, bug eye part, my partner, Julia, uh, me and Julia put the festival together. But you guys did help out with, with a lot of stuff. So I think you do need credit as well. Uh, I think compared to the work that you two put in. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, so Chorus Girl and Fight Milk both played at Croco Land and then Fight Milk played with us. It was one of our last London shows, actually, before... Paper Dress Vintage. Lockdown, yeah, Paper Dress Vintage. Love that band. Um, and Gemma Freeman and the Cosmic Something played Love as well. that band. So it was a sold-out night. Anyway, Fight Milk are absolutely incredible. So do go and listen to the rest of their stuff. There's a whole catalogue of genius writing there, so go and explore. What should we talk about now? I kind of can't find my notes. Can't find my notes. Oh, I know what we were talking about. We were talking BBC. about the BBC. Old we auntie. Talk about band songs from from across the decades, I suppose. But um, there's there's some there's some periods in time that really do stand out mm-hmm. for for censorship from our beloved BBC. So censorship rocketed in the nineties. And I don't think any of us at the time were really quite aware that that censorship was happening. I mean, I don't really remember it in in the nineties. I don't either. But that's I think that's that's mm. that's sometimes a worrying thing actually mm-hmm. when you're not even aware of people controlling what you're you're you do and don't hear on the airwaves. Uh, Britain was um, and was has what mistakes that Had. now? How many? <laughs> How many? Britain. Um, basically entered the first Gulf War. And so the BBC rolled up their sleeves, had another one of their famous board meetings, drank way too much tea and decided it was a good idea to ban a list of 67 songs that they deemed unsuitable to be played during the time of conflict. There was actually 68 songs because although it doesn't actually feature in the list, The Cure's Killing an Arab was known to be banned at that time as well. So I don't know how 
they missed that one off the list or it just wasn't on there but it was it's a known fact that they were not allowed to play that uh, maybe it was maybe this is the original list and maybe. they just they could just they just got really happy with their red pen after that and just started crossing off more songs um i mean i would read the whole list to you but that would be quite a boring podcast mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's you know there are some songs on here that are just sort of really bizarre and one of those really bizarre songs, not a bizarre song, but I suppose a bizarre reason for banning a song was, uh, did you know that Blondie's Atomic was banned? Really? Yep, it totally was, which is ridiculous, right? Um, it was banned simply for having the word atomic in it, even though it's nothing to do with war. It's nothing. And that's actually a common thing throughout the list. Yeah. Songs with absolutely nothing to do with with war at all we're being banned so i mean some of the other songs on there uh you've got back in the ussr mm-hmm. by the beatles was was a no-go couldn't play that or ghost town by the specials give peace a chance uh by the plastic ono band was banned i mean you can't you know if we're in war you can't have someone saying you know let's not go to war let's have peace you can't have a have a an opposition opposite view yeah. on these things, which I, I think that's terrible. I mean, I'm having a look uh, at this list now, and it's quite funny. Waterloo by ABBA. Yep. Yeah. I mean that, and that was, I suppose, that does talk about war, but that's like they reference a battle that was fought in 1815. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. And it's just, it's a disco classic. It's so cheesy and fun. I don't think anyone would listen to that song and deem that as being insensitive to be to being played. Or thinking that it was glorifying war. No, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so uh, that was tough shit for the Swedish disco legends at that time that it was banned. <laughs> but <laughs> Tough shit for Swedish disco yeah. legends. We're not that, playing ever. I, I think that's, your, that's my favourite quote of this podcast. <laughs> tough shit, your song's banned. That's what the episode's <laughs> being called. <laughs> Another weird one, right? I think this is this is this made me laugh. I had to do a double take when I saw this one. In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. That well-known rebel song. I mean, could you think of anyone <laughs> less likely to write a song that would that would stir any kind of aggression or I don't know, rebel uprising of protest? I don't know what came over me. I had a little bit too much of the old Phil Collins. Yeah, so did on Phil tonight. <laughs> In the air tonight, there's a bit of fear. Anyway, yeah. So the song made the list due to fears that it might remind listeners of Scud missiles and could therefore be interpreted as insensitive to those who had relatives out on the front line. The lyrics, by the way, do not mention anything about physical violence, warfare, missiles, anything, anything at all. Madness. It's, you know... It's crazy. So yeah, that was uh, that was one of the ones from the list. Have you, do, have you got any others that you care to mention? I haven't. Mention? But the BBC have been at it for years. I mean, they set up in the nineteen thirties a committee called the Dance Music Policy Committee. Which, what kind of title is that? I mean, to be honest, dance. If they'd realised, when was it in the nineteen thirties? So they were obviously yeah. talking about like really old good. school um, <laughs> dance, like the, the dance. You know, thinking like raves and stuff like that. No, but like by 1942, so this is kind of like during the Second World War, they amended some policies. And I've got a quote. um, We have recently adopted a policy of excluding sickly sentimentality, which particularly when sung by certain vocalists can become nauseating and not at all in keeping with what we feel 
what we feel to be the need for the public and the country in this fourth year of war. I mean, I don't know what they were playing or what they thought was sentimental. I mean, did they have to just have this kind of big gung-ho, Great Britain kind of music blasting out 24-7 or something? What year was that? So let's have a quick Google. Which artists would this be? They wanted to buy things that were like slushy and sentiment or, or pop versions of classical music pieces. When was this? The 1940s? Yeah. The... 1940s in the UK. I mean, uh, so British hit singles in the 19... Oh, this is 1940 to 1949. I'm looking at... um, Is it going to give me a track listing? I'll give up on this this hunt for songs in a second. But um, 1940s British music. List of British music in the years the music here we go um let the people sing by no gay no idea no idea anyway i'm giving up on that but <laughs> I, I wanted to find some some cool examples of of that but they, they basically just hated on some performance didn't they and said let's just use this as an excuse to pretty much them. but i think they're probably <laughs> also trying to be a bit highbrow about it with a kind you know, we will not have pop versions of classical things played on our radios but they've been they've been going for years i mean like anything like bad language explicit 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 sexual content drug references and anything that's basically politically sensitive they're having none of it i mean mary whitehouse do you remember oh was there a, no there was a, there was a comedy show called mary, mary whitehouse, whitehouse experience or something yeah, yeah. Mary whitehouse experience. i mean she was going for it big time in the 70s like she couldn't get chuck berry's my dingaling band but she got schools out by alice cooper band for what oh, i really God. don't know um schools out for the summer yeah like oh for god's sake I don't, I don't know on kind of what context. Oh, can, please, can we do a show on Mary Whitehouse? We will. Then. We have to. And then like into the 80s yeah, with Mark, Mike Reed, he just famously refused to play Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood, which was a bit of an own goal because that kind of made the song even more popular yeah, as the case with the Sex Pistols. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would love, I've said this before about a time machine, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'd love to go back and uh, slip in the songs from from like the charts like let's talk about sex baby like all of the kind of uh, sexy wonders of music <laughs> over the years just to just to see their faces i mean you know ban 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 can't talk about sex i don't know what was that other song let me lick you up and down that came out in the, the 90s it was like yeah could you imagine that I getting past i genuinely any... do not remember that <laughs> Who sung that song? Should we play a new track while you find that out? <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is this is um oh my god, what's talking about? So I've I've brought in with me brought in like I've gone anywhere, I'm in my house. Uh I'm gonna play to the table. <laughs> I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring oh my god, speak. I'm gonna play In Dreams by the band Chorus Girl. So here it is. <laughs> not what happens when you're lying in your bed at night waiting for your dreams 
So that was In Dreams by A Chorus Girl and that was released in 2018 via Reckless Yes and is from the second album, Shimmer and Spin. I love her voice. It's so, it's beautiful. It's lovely. It's really beautiful. So, I mean, what I've jotted down as notes just while I was listening to that um, the other day and then also just let the album sort of play out. It's just obviously they're, they're a band. 
as we've just heard. <laughs> They're London-based. Top um, quality research yeah, exactly. there. Yeah, no, they, they were formed in, in 2014. And I've written down that they create their own unique blend of noise pop that kind of shimmers and dances, has a splatter of dirt sometimes among the, the, the tracks, a bit of grit that is unexpected uh it's sort of you know it's beautiful it's got heart it's got soul it can be your companion at your lowest moments but also lift you back up into the sunshine it's a beautiful record well yeah exactly and so i sort of wanted to say something about it i just think they make such beautiful records Mm -hmm. so do go back and check out their their last two albums and the other stuff that they've been putting out it's absolutely incredible music. You won't be sorry. And uh, don't just stream it. Buy, buy it. it. Buy it. Especially on Bandcamp at the, I think it's the end of every month, they do a sort of no fees it's the thing. first Friday. The first Friday of every month. Yep. Jesus, I'm in a band. Why do I not know this? We talk about it on, all the time. Okay, the first Friday of every month. And it just means that when you buy a record, all of the money goes goes to the band. So it's a... Uh, an important way to help support artists, especially new artists, uh, to help them keep making music. So, yeah. Especially as none of us are touring at the moment. None so of us We're all living off Bandcamp. And we'd normally be set exactly, we'd normally be selling a shit ton of records at gigs and other merchandise, and we're just really not at the moment. And also, it's a way to trigger like loads of kind of reviews and coverage mm-hmm. and gain new fans that then buy music. So it's been it's been quite tough out there. So please do go and check out White Milk and Chorus Girl and just, I don't know, check out the rest of the roster on uh, Reckless Yes as well. It's blooming marvellous. So on with the show. On with the show. So yes. you were talking before we had a little listen there about um, censorship around the Gulf War. Stop. Just an important fact as well. I was talking about censorship, but I also talked about a song and I did manage to find out Do-do-do. who that song was by. Um, and it's it was called Freak Me, the song, the Look You Up and Down song. And it was by the group Another Level. Well done, fact fans. Yes. Now you may continue. Thank you. <laughs> so you were talking about the, the, what you talking about, the Gulf War and the impact on censorship around that. Um, we also have discovered that a lot of things were bound around September 11th attacks i mean a lot of tv and radio obviously would have altered their normal programming in response to those events but i think you've got a list of some songs that were banned then i did yeah so essentially clear channel who are now called iheart media basically sent a memo to over a thousand u.s radio stations which resulted in 160 songs being banned wow essentially so um i mean so obviously this was following Al-Qaeda's 9-11 attacks in New York City um, and some of the songs that were banned. So Chop Suey by System of the Down. Okay. They asked people to stop playing that. I mean, I suppose, so with this song, it expressed a sort of disbelief at people that were able to to sort of trust in religion Mm -hmm. to the degree that they would become, you know, they would fight for a cause with with suicide, essentially. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what the song is is referencing in there and so radio stations banned that because they thought it was quite insensitive given what had just just happened and that you know so as much as i've been saying oh no you know censorship is bad this this is this sort of situation where 
in some senses, it puts me on the fence because I go, no, actually, that is quite insensitive yeah. to, to play a song about that. But then in another sense, it's like, well, no, actually, it's important to play a song like that because it is it is expressing an opinion about what happened and should should we be silenced because because of that? But then, then I flip back to, well, a lot of people lost loved ones mm-hmm. during during that and do they really want to hear people's freedom of speech stuff about that at the you know at a time is that going to enrage them is it going to upset them but then then you flip over to the other side as in well then it's back to the situation of then talking about war in previous situations where things have been banned mm. and was was that right so it's like a flip flip flop between the two i mean i think it's a hard one i mean i I do understand what you're saying, but I think I'll come back to the point of the fact that this is happening in the world and a song is not going to stop that happening. So why are we not talking about the issues yeah. that are there? Well, that's that's what I'm saying, as in I think it is important mm. to talk about. But then, you know, I haven't just lost someone in a terror attack. No. But but then I don't... I mean, I can't, obviously I can't speak for the, for the people that have been through that, mm-hmm. but I can't imagine that I would be offended by something like that. Although one thing I would say is that, do you remember The Strokes? And this wasn't on my list, I just remembered this. Um, is This It, their album? Yeah. Uh, they had to reissue that album and the US version removed the song New York City Cops because that album came out that year and it sings about, you know, New York City Cops ain't too smart. And so people just I thought that's know, really I offensive. I didn't know that. Yeah, I really yeah, didn't happened. know that. True fact, true fact. But back to this list, there's some really kind, there's some inconsistencies on there that I think are really, I mean, I, I don't understand why, but they're really odd. Like, for example, Smooth Criminal by Alien Ant Farm was on the list, couldn't be played. Michael Jackson's version wasn't. Why? No, no idea. Martha it's the same, the, but it's the same yeah, song. Martha Vandella's original version, Dancing in the Street, and Van Halen's version of Dancing in the Street were included, but the David Bowie and Mick Jagger one isn't. I mean, that's where I kind of get a little bit with these sort of lists of band things. It's like, well, I, I can't see how one version's well, more offensive than the second. Really, but then also, I suppose, um, what other stuff were Alien Ant Farm doing? Was it anything? Well, no, actually, no. My comment was going to be about, was it like kind of current political yeah. bands? And that's what they wanted to ban. Like artist-specific artist rather than But then Martha specific. and the, you know, you can't really no. use that argument on that. But did you know that Rage Against the Machine, well, they just had everything banned, their whole catalogue. Really? Their whole back catalogue. All songs from Rage Against the Machine um, because they were seen as left-wing rap rockers. Um, Fair play. I mean, I would carry yeah. that badge with honour. <laughs> yeah. There's some really odd ones on there, though. Isn't 99 Ribbons on there? Red I mean, balloons, also, rather. I mean, one of the things they did um, was, so the year before the 9-11 attacks, obviously this left mm-hmm. a bad taste in people's mouths. The, As I said, the um, rap rockers, they stormed the New, the New York Stock Exchange, shutting it down for two hours as part of filming their video, um, Sleep Now in Fire. So you can, obviously, with the Twin Towers and... Yeah. Yeah. They were on the watch list. They, they were, yeah. So they... Then, then there's the ridiculous things like Walk Like an Egyptian by the Bangles. Bangles, even. I keep saying the Bangles. It's not the Bangles, it's Bangles. But it just makes me sound like I've skipped a word. But um, that was banned. 
And actually, that song, anytime there's a war, that song's banned. <laughs> anytime there's anything... Um, it's the go-to. Even, even terror attack. And any kind of... So not even a war, like a terror attack, anything. Um, it's let's ban walk like an Egyptian. Okay, let's do this, Paula. Let's look at the lyrics of walk like an Egyptian and let's judge whether we think it's appropriate. Here we go. I'm not going to read them all out because it's quite long. So... All the old paintings on the tombs, they do the sand dance, don't you know? If they move too quick, they're falling down like a domino. All the bizarre men on the Nile, they got the money on a bet. Gold crocodiles, they snap their teeth on your cigarettes. Foreign types with hookah pipes say, walk like an Egyptian. The blonde waitresses take their trays, they spin around and cross the floor. They've got the moves. You drop your drink and they give you more. Anyway... You know, is there something in here that's all the kids um, so sick of books, they like the punk and metal bands. When the buzzer rings, they're walking like an Egyptian. So it's like kind of celebrating. It's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. school's out. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just scanning these lyrics to see all the cops in the donut shop say, walk like an Egyptian. Why would you ban that song? I don't know. I mean, like, I guess in terms of the Gulf War, maybe it's the reference to Egypt, but in terms of nine eleven, I'm lost. Yeah, but so you can't, you can't, you can't reference a no, country. No, I'm all. assuming that's why it was. Yeah, well, the, that that would probably be the reason. But I just think that's daft. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Really, I think it's just people just got carried away. They probably started off with the really obvious ones, and then, oh, but what about this? Oh, but what about that? Um, so I suppose for me, I don't have any more on my list of of songs. There's a whole heap of them. We'll publish. We'll publish the list. Now we'll put a link in the show notes to Wikipedia to, to Wikipedia with with the list of these songs, and you can check them out yourselves. We'll also put together a playlist of our our favourite songs for Spotify. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes and post it out across our social channels, so you can have a little have listen. a little listen. Yeah, and let us know uh, what you think, whether you're you're for or against um, censorship and of songs to, to kind of, you know, recently the BBC had a kind of, um, during the pandemic, a view that they wouldn't play certain songs. That list hasn't been published, I don't think, mm-hmm. yet. But it was more about, we just want to play happy, carefree yeah, songs. It was definitely noticeable. Let's not play so much of the new stuff. Let's keep the spirits up. And, you know, do you agree with that or disagree? I'd be really interested to hear your hear thoughts. people's thoughts on that. So, I've been Paula from the band Bug Eye. I've been Angelus Martinez. And this has been another episode of Bug Eye's Rock Pop Rambles. Okay, so for another week, uh, stay stay safe. I was, I've just turned into Karen Kilgara and... I thought you were going to say, stay sexy and don't get killed. Well, exactly. I was just about to do the ending of a different podcast. Where stay safe, stay sexy and don't get murdered. That's not our show. That's someone else's. That's uh, my favourite murder podcast, which is Ace, by the way. Amazing. So check that out. Um, so all we've got to say is... We hope you enjoyed the episode and over and out.